0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When when parents find out that they're expecting a child, many more hopes and expectations come along with that discovery. Parents begin dreaming about what that child is going to be like. They wonder what he or she is going to accomplish. They hope for the absolute best. Every parent wants to be able to point at their child at, at any point of time in their life and proudly introducing them, introduce them by saying, well, this is my son, this is my daughter. But every parent has to face inevitable disappointment as well. Our children do not live up to every expectation that we have of them. The parent who is a IU fan and the first words out of their child's mouth is boiler up, <laughs> there's some disappointment there. But what about maybe the mom who prays nightly for her teenage daughter and, and tries to raise her right? She still ends up getting a phone call saying that her daughter has gotten into some trouble. And this much is true, life with children does not always go as we plan or as we hope. For our Advent series uh, this year, we're going to look at four father-son relationships found in the Old Testament. We're going to explore the hopes and the expectations that the fathers had for their sons, but we'll especially look at the disappointment that each father faced as his son failed to meet expectations. Expectations. But ultimately, each sermon will end by looking at the perfect father-son relationship, the one shared by our Heavenly Father, and His only begotten Son, upon whom God smiled and said, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So We begin tonight our series by looking at perhaps the most disappointing Son in the history of all mankind, the Son of Adam cain now adam and eve they had high hopes for cain this was evident not only by his name but also by what eve his mother said about him in the translation that we use eve says i have gotten a man with the help of the lord however some scholars including martin luther have understood eve to say i have gotten the man of the lord What this could very well mean is that Eve thought that Cain was the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, who would crush the serpent's head and who would bring salvation from Adam and Eve's sin. The name Cain comes from the Hebrew word meaning to possess or to acquire. Martin Luther puts himself into Eve's head and imagines her thinking like this. I remember what we have lost through sin, but now let our hope and our speech be of nothing else except winning this back and keeping possession of it. For I have gotten the man of God who will obtain that lost glory for us once again. Boy, those are some high expectations. Now contrasted to his brother Abel, who gets no such welcome from his mother, and whose very name means vanity, and it implies something that is worthless, that's cast aside. The names of these two brothers reveal the hopes and the expectations of their parents. But truth be told, Adam and Eve were only setting themselves up for disappointment. Cain was no savior. Now, maybe it was the lofty expectations placed on on him that gave Cain his selfish pride that's revealed later in the story. More more than likely, however, his selfish pride was, was simply a result of sin that had been passed down to him by his parents. Whatever the reason, it's made clear in Hebrews 11 that Abel possessed true faith in God and received his favor while Cain's offerings were rejected because... His heart did not belong to God. Envy and anger and hatred filled Cain's heart and mind, ready to devour him like an animal crouching and, and waiting to attack its un, unsuspecting victim. Cain even is, is, is warned by God to resist sin and to repent. But instead, when sin pounces, Cain gives in and and pounces upon his unsuspecting brother, taking his life and then becoming the first murderer in all of human history. Can you imagine the pain, the disappointment, the heartbreak of Adam and Eve when they find out what Cain has done? The son that they thought would, would save their lives instead now has become a taker of life. They had to come to grips that the curse of their original sin had been passed down to their own children. And it's continued to be passed down to their grandchildren, to their great-grandchildren, through every generation up and up to and including our own. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Romans 5.19 tells us. See, we are all sons and daughters of Adam and we have inherited the same inclination to sin that lurked in the heart of Cain. And as Jesus makes clear in Matthew chapter 5, we are all guilty of murder as Cain. Everyone who becomes angry with his or her brother is liable to the judgment of murder. Anyone who insults his brother or says to anyone, you fool, will face the same condemnation that Cain did, exile from God. When it comes to keeping God's commandments, we have all been huge disappointments. Our offerings to God have not always been made with hearts full of faith and joy, but out of grudging compulsion. We have harbored anger and envy in our hearts toward others. We have imagined that we're not our brother's keeper, not responsible for the well-being of others, more concerned with ourselves. As children of God, we have fallen short, well short, of God's expectations. This is why the writer of Psalm 146 instructs us, Do not put your trust in princes, in the son of a man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the, returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Now, Adam and Eve, they were wrong about Cain being the promised seed. But God's plan was still intact. Thanks be to God the savior would indeed be a son of adam a true man but it would also be the son of god into our world of hatred and murder was born our god was born of our was born our god of love and life from the moment jesus was a little child the, the spiritual heirs of cain sought to take his life Because he lived his life as a perfect offering to God, others grew envious and angry toward him. Eventually, they succeeded in spilling his blood. two Lenten songs bring the story of Cain and the story of Jesus together. First from My Song is Love Unknown. A murderer they save, the prince of life they slay. For Cain and for all murderers since then, including you and me, the Lord and giver of life is murdered so that we might be given life. Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. From the hymn, Glory Be to Jesus. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, God tells Cain, The blood of Abel cried out for justice for himself. But Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus' blood cries out not for himself, but on behalf of the whole world. For you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus became our murdered brother, so that he might keep us from everlasting death. For Jesus is the true son of Adam, whose shed blood and and broken body are the perfect sacrifice acceptable to God the Father to wash clean our murderous hearts and make us children of God. For if by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, Adam, Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, our perfect brother, your heavenly Father is not disappointed in you. Instead, through your baptism, he looks down upon you with approval and with love and he says, pr- says proudly, this is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our brother, amen.